And welcome into this edition of Gator Bites on the 1010XL.com podcast network. Also being simulcast on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page. Today's Gator podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialists for any orthopedic injury or concern. Their website, se-ortho.com, and they have locations all over Northeast Florida, including Riverside, Northside, the Southside, and over in St. John's. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Denny, it feels like I have not seen you in a while, but all of a sudden you look at the calendar. We are well into June and summer conditioning right around the corner, fall camp right around the corner as well. Yeah, I think they're in conditioning now. Uh, yeah. I, I think so. Um, yeah, it'll be here before you know it. It's great. And that opening weekend of football is unbelievable this year. Well, week one. Week zero leaves a little bit to be desired. Yeah, week zero is an opening week to me. Okay. Opening yeah. week is week one. Florida State and Duquesne doesn't do anything no, for No, but Florida State and LSU does. Oh, absolutely. And Oregon and, and Georgia does, and Utah and Florida does, and Georgia Tech and Clemson. And, like, I, it's it's a great opening weekend. You and I have had many conversations about this. I was always the guy that never wanted Florida to play up in competition. I was fine with playing Southern Miss or East Carolina or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we always agreed about that. Yeah, yeah, because the bottom line is if you go undefeated in the SEC, I don't care who your out-of-conference is, even though it includes Florida State, you run the table in conference, you're going to be in the playoff. Well, Gator fans wanted tougher competition. It's great for the sport. Okay, well, here come the Pac-12 champions a team that's preseason top 10 in every preseason poll I've seen, and their quarterback, Utah's quarterback, Cam Rising, is one of the top five or six quarterbacks on a lot of lists coming into this year. How dicey a game will that be for Florida on Labor Day weekend? Oh, I I mean, I think it's very losable, right? I mean, if that's what you mean by dicey. I've been against it forever, but I will tell you this. I like it for where Florida's at right now. Um if you go back to like when Mullen first got there and they did the New Year's Six Bowl right away, right? The expectations at that point were okay. SEC championship is what we're playing for, and so you didn't want to you didn't want to lose something outside of there. That's not really I don't think the expectation right now. The expectation right now is we want a good football team. We want to see good football. We want consistency, right? And so I love the way they're starting because if they start out. Let's say they start out three and zero. Well, there's a whole new energy. I mean, there there is. You want to talk about heating up recruiting and being the talk of the country? Then that's that's what's going to happen if you start out beating Utah, Kentucky, and Tennessee. You're, you're going now. I understand the flip side, but that's you can't, the glass half full way to look but, at but it. No, no, I don't think I don't. Here's why I don't think it is because I don't think anybody's expecting Florida to go eleven and one this year. Mm. I, I mean, are y'all? No, they're over under on a lot of websites is six and a half or that, seven. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I, I think this year I'm good with this. I'm gonna I'm actually excited about those first three weeks. Um, you know, from a greedy standpoint, it gives Anthony a chance to put his name squarely in the top five pick conversation if he comes out those first three weeks with crazy numbers. Right. So I actually like it. And then here's the other thing. You're getting a Utah team that crushed Oregon last year. And they're the preseason favorite for Pac-12 again. They're, like you said, top 10, top 5 in some preseason rankings. Yeah, they have a lot of guys back from last year's team. If you're Billy Napier, you've got a night kick in the swamp against a top 10 team that 
this area has never seen play, you couldn't ask for a better situation. You couldn't ask for a better, like, okay, from a recruiting perspective, hey, y'all come to this game. Because the week one games, like the neutral site games and all that, whatever, y'all come to this game, see what the Swamp is really about, see what the Napier era really is. I think it sets up really well for what they're trying to do in Florida. I, I like that. That's something I hadn't thought of. Now, again, schedules are made years in advance. This is yeah, not Mario right. Cristobal's fault, nor is it Billy Napier's fault, but they're on the same timeline. They get hired together. Cristobal, three of his first four games are a joke. Mm -hmm. They're going to destroy three of their first four opponents. Now, the other one's Texas A&M, yeah. which is certainly not a joke. Florida, on the other hand, like you said, goes Utah, Kentucky, South Florida, Tennessee, Cristobal, uh, in my about, opinion. I forgot about USF. My bad. Yeah. Yep. But you well, USF, I mean, that's the one that Florida should right. should right. have a relatively easy time with. Cristobal gets to kind of ease into his tenure in Coral Gables, whereas Napier, my goodness, is diving right in. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean, I don't look at this as like a comparison thing between really Florida and anything anybody else. I think Florida's got to get to that point to where they're who they are, regardless of who anybody else is. Right. I think for years and years and years, people have been chasing Alabama. Well, you you can't do you can't replicate that. If you if you could replicate that, it would have already been done. Now Kirby's kind of caught up with them. Right. So now the tendency is going to be, well, let's chase Alabama. Let's chase Georgia. Let's chase Ohio State. No, you do you like whatever you're confident in this 50 person staff and the amount of money that they're spending. You stay focused on that. Don't worry about what Mario Cristobal's doing. Don't worry about what Nick Saban or Kirby Smart are doing. And here's the other thing. What better way to show off your brand-new football-only facility than on a primetime game against a top-ten opponent? Mm -hmm. Because they're not moving in until the end of July. So it's not like they can show it off as these kids are coming through camps in the summer. Now you get you can get your recruiting base there, possibly win against a top-ten team, set like set the, the tone for the whole season, and, oh, yeah, by the way, we have this brand-spanking-new Football-only facility, y'all come check that out, too. And again, I love everything you're saying. The opposite of that you is on national TV. You lose 31-13, and then everything you said kind of is flushed down the toilet. Well, I don't think so. I don't think so, because then what if you turn around and you win the next three? No, nobody remembers that. Nobody remembers. And when you think about last year's Gator team, you think about the Kentucky game. You think about the Georgia game. You, think, you don't think about that two-point conversion against Alabama. Like, I mean, nobody remembers the first part of that season if you close it out strong. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair point. And, and look, the bottom line for Florida, Billy Napier entering year number one, it is a tough start. I did think it was interesting, and I, and I, I guess I understand why he was rated where he was. CBS Sports does their annual list ranking every Division I college football coach. Right. And if you take a look at where – I think it was Dennis Dodd that did it. And if you take a look at where he ranked the SEC coaches, Billy Napier – was number nine mm -hmm. out of 14. And you say to yourself, well, that's kind of low. Well, probably isn't considering Napier has never been the head coach of a Power 5 team. Yeah, It would be hard to have him any higher than where he is. Yeah, he was higher than Heupel, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that's generous. Because Heupel did a pretty decent job at Tennessee last year. But I think eight was Mike Leach, and then you get into Sam Pittman and Lane Kiffin and Mark Stoops, and obviously up to Kirby and Jimbo and Nick Saban. But yeah, Napier ninth out of fourteen. Yeah, I think you got to do something to jump any of those guys, especially Sam Pittman, by the way, who just got a contract extension. I mean, Sam Pittman, if you were going to give a Coach of the Year award for two years for the accumulate, it would have to go to him. Real quick about him, I have Connor O'Gara coming on Hacker After Dark from Saturday down south tonight. 
when I talked to him earlier this week, he thinks Arkansas, not A&M, Arkansas, is going to be Alabama's biggest challenge in the SEC West this year. I don't uh, – maybe. He is I mean, not a believer in A&M. Yeah, I mean, I think Arkansas has got a good quarterback. Um, they they play really sound football. But here's the thing is Arkansas – and I know this is a Gator podcast, but Arkansas is a sleeping giant in the in the world of NIL. Yeah. If well, they have, want to. When you have Walmart and Tyson Chicken five miles you from your stadium. Walmart, Tyson, you have J.B. Hunt, you have Dillard's, you have like that Northwest Arkansas. I'm from Arkansas originally. Or I lived there for eight years. That Northwest Arkansas, if they want to, nobody can spend with them. Yeah. Literally, I mean, they've got people buying sports franchises for four and a half billion dollars. Right? Like if they really want to get involved in the and the the Arkansas fan base is as passionate as they come. There's nothing else there. Right. So I think that's a sleeping giant that Sam Pittman has just kind of started to uh, wake up a little bit. Because you think back to Petrino. Petrino had him number two in the in the country. Yeah. Houston Nutt had him pretty good, too. Yeah. Yeah. For a time. But I, I thought like Houston Nutt sometimes were smoking mirrors. That was before Saban, really. Right. But Petrino did it when everything was good. I mean, Petrino right. did it when the West was crazy. And then he had his, you know, slip up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think Arkansas, I don't know if they're better than A&M right now. I don't know if I'd agree with that, but they're, they're certainly on the come up. But you think Napier and nine, that's no that's fair. injustice. No, 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 no. I think that's fair. You know, and, and, and you look at it as well. I want to get into Anthony. In fact, I respect that he didn't put him like super high just for clickbait. Right. Right. No, I, I think, agree. Yeah, I agree. Because look, I mean, in the SEC, there's no arguing with Saban, Kirby, Jimbo. If you want to flip flop Jimbo and Kirby, whatever. Those are the three. I think Brian Kelly was four, that, that and Mark fair. Stoops was five. All fair. And then Lane Kiffin, I think, was six. Sam Pittman was seven. Mike Leach was eight. Billy Napier was. I mean, nine. I think I would flip he and Leach. I, I I think I would, but outside of that, that's it. I yeah. don't think you can argue with any of the other ones. And again, I would have Heupel probably ahead of Napier. Yeah, but, that's true too. Because I think Tennessee did a certainly a Heupel job. ahead of Leach, right? Um, we got to take into account what Leach did at Texas Tech and at Washington State. It's not just a twenty twenty two year thing. three. Yeah, he's on the same timeline as Pittman. Yeah, he's and Pittman's been three. far more successful. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the novelty side of things. I mean, he runs a great offense, stuff like that. But you know, I think if I mean, he and Lane Kiffin came in the same year, right? Yeah, Pittman, Kiffin, and Leach all on the same timeline. I think, I think unanimously people would say that that Lane Kiffin has done more in that time. Well, yeah. I mean, went to the Sugar Bowl last right. year. Absolutely. Today's Gator Bites podcast is brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for the highest quality care. You can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. And make sure to listen to the good Dr. Kevin Murphy on Thursday mornings in the 7 o'clock hour with Dan and Jeff right here on 1010XL for his weekly analysis of injuries in sports. So the SEC had their meetings out in Destin at the beginning of last week. There was a lot on the docket from NIL to the transfer portal to a potential SEC playoff. We'll probably get into some of that in later episodes. The one I wanted to get your opinion on is the schedule. For the last 30 years, mm. if you're a Gator fan, as sure as the sun will rise, you knew you were playing South Carolina, Kentucky, obviously Georgia, Tennessee, Vandy, in 2012, you figured out you were going to play Missouri every year, LSU as well. That appears to be coming to an end. There are two potential um, changes that are going to be made once Texas and Oklahoma enter no later than 2025. One constant, meaning one 
team you play every year and seven rotators or three constants and six rotators. But of course, do the math on that. That means nine conference games. I hate the one and seven because that means if you're a team like Georgia, you would have to give up either the Florida or the Auburn game. If you're a team like Alabama, you would probably have to give up Tennessee because you're not going to give up Auburn. I'm much more like the three constants and the six rotators. And people, Denny, ask, well, why is the SEC doing this? Because Alabama went a decade without trips to Florida. Because Georgia has never been to Texas A&M since they joined the conference in 2012. It is ridiculous. And with the three and the six format, you would play in every stadium in the SEC at least once every four years. Problem, though? nine conference games your thoughts yeah i mean i i don't have a problem with the nine conference games with the 12 game season i think that probably should happen in every conference that could do you think teams will have a problem with that um like if you're vanderbilt do you want another beating i don't think they'll have a problem because i would imagine that that equates to a bigger check yeah maybe you know what i mean like i would imagine if you if you add that extra conference game SEC Network makes more money. Their ESPN contract gives them more money. I would think it's probably a bigger check, and it's a it's a it's a game you don't have to pay out to go play some FCS team or some lower level team. So I think from the financial aspect, they probably wouldn't have a problem. I'm a little different with the rivalry thing um, because I've realized. I mean, I'm 45 now, and so in my time, I've always been a big college football fan. Rivalries die. I mean, there was a time that. Nebraska Oklahoma was the rivalry, right? There was you you go through and you look at the way that these conferences have shifted and things like that. R- rivalries just kind of go away and and I might think I'll give you an example. Florida Tennessee when I was in college, right? You wouldn't have ever imagined that there would be a bigger game uh, in September than Florida, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Now it's, what, not even top 10 in the SEC? Like, I mean, there's bigger games on the day of Florida, Tennessee. Right. So, I, I mean, I think while I would like to see the rivalries take place, it's not the end of the world if they don't. You absolutely, Florida, Georgia has to stay. There are, I mean, Alabama, Auburn has to stay. There are those that have to stay. But Auburn, Georgia? Eh. Oh. oh. Eh. If you're a dog, that's the... That's how, the longest running rivalry in the Deep South. How old are people that go to Georgia? I, I don't know. 20, but, 21? You know, uh, it's because we're a Gator podcast. If we were a Georgia podcast or an Auburn podcast. Oh, I'm sure people would go crazy. They're screaming from the there's rooftops. People that would go, there's people that will go crazy when I say I don't care if they play Tennessee or not. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to – you mentioned Nebraska, Oklahoma. And this is me putting my complete and total SEC bias on full display, my SEC homerism on full display. They talk about it just means more. It does. These rivalries Bro, in the South mean more. Nebraska, Oklahoma, it, you look was massive. But you're but you're talking about Texas, Texas A and M was massive. You're talking about just getting rid of Georgia Auburn. They got rid of those. That, that's insane, right? But that there's a you're reason me Georgia Auburn is a bigger rivalry than Texas Texas A and M. I, I mean, it depends who you're asking. That's my point. I'm sure if we were doing College, a podcast in Dallas, they're going to say no, but well, that, we're doing a podcast in Jacksonville. That's kind of my point is college football has gone on, and you've just kind of lived to, or learned to live with the new norm. Do I want it to go away? No. But do I really, really care? I don't. All right. So if that's your logic, then 
if you found out tomorrow that Florida, Florida State aren't going to play any longer? Yeah, I mean, I think that's like, I think that's one that has to stay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I want them to stay. There's going to come a time in college football where all of these things die. I, I hope we're all aware of that. I just can't imagine Alabama, even though Alabama has dominated, there is something about that third Saturday in October Man, for Alabama and Tennessee. There isn't? Man, come on. No? Really? Yes. Something for who if you're not an Alabama or Tennessee no. fan? I, I enjoy watching it because I'm an SEC guy. Uh, I I mean, if Tennessee gets to be a top 10 program, then maybe. So you, you're on board with the one constant, the seven rotators? No, no, no. I think I'm on board with the other. No, I think I, I'm, I'm not. Well, the reason they would do the I, other I is because so many people are arguing about keeping the rivalries. Right, right, right. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying, like, I don't think it's one of those things. If you keep the rivalries now, in 10 years, you're going to lose them. You're just, you're, you're just extending the inevitable, if that makes sense. I guess the way college football is going. Well, look, and I'll, I'll, when I, if it's one constant seven rotators, being a Gator podcast, you obviously keep Georgia. I agree with you to an extent. I don't think a lot of Gator fans would lose sleep over losing Tennessee. I wouldn't like it. I don't think a lot of Gator fans would lose sleep over losing LSU. I wouldn't like it. I'd like to see Florida play, you know, Alabama, and Oklahoma, Auburn. Texas. Yeah, I mean, yeah I, that, yeah, I mean, but Florida doesn't have the two big rivals in the conference like Georgia, like Alabama, maybe like LSU does. It's weird, you know. Even though Florida has been in the SEC forever, Florida's two main rivals to me are Georgia and Florida State. As long as you keep those, I'm okay. I feel like when Spurrier was there, they had more rivals. Agreed. Well, right. the, the weird thing, LSU should be such a bigger rivalry than it is. And I don't understand if maybe Florida, if you're just spent after the Georgia and the Florida States, and if you're LSU, if you're spent after Alabama and maybe Arkansas and A&M, but why Florida and LSU is not a bigger deal annually, I'll never understand. Well, I, I mean, I think, I think it is a big deal to those fan bases, but I think that's kind of the... But I think if you ask Gator fans, it'd clearly be third. Oh, absolutely. Clearly. Yeah, 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 absolutely. When I mean, LSU is far superior what you, to what, what Florida State what, is are right you, now. Are you thinking Florida State, Georgia, one and two? And for then, me, Florida State, Georgia is one and two, but for Gator fans that are probably 45 plus, it's probably Georgia, Florida State. And then Tennessee. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean... I don't know, because you remember there was a time that Auburn and Florida were like... It was they, a huge game. Right. And, and look, Gator fans missed that. There's And the reason the SEC did that was to keep Georgia and Auburn. I'll put it this way. The loudest I've ever heard the Swamp was the Auburn game two years ago. Oh, with a Piran 88-yard yep. touchdown? It, from start to finish, that's the loudest I've ever heard that place. Wow. It's a fascinating topic and one that'll keep going. Again, the schedule is going to change. Um, but you know what's interesting? I'm sorry to cut you off, but we're having this conversation. We're not even disagreeing. We're just giving different points, right? This is what's happened in those meetings. Yeah. There's not a right or wrong answer to this because when you bring Texas and Oklahoma, you're bringing two big boys, right? You went out and got them for a reason. You want to develop rivalries with them. Like you need, you need one of them to be rivals with Alabama or Georgia or Florida. You need that as a conference. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're telling me I'm going to lose, and I'm just hypothetically saying this, I'm going to lose Tennessee, but I'm going to gain Texas. Cool. Yeah. Well, and the reason people are saying you have 16 teams, why not have two divisions of eight? Because then you'd have the same problem you do right now. Right, exactly. Georgia yeah. doesn't go to A&M for a decade. Alabama doesn't come to Florida for a decade. That's what they're looking 
to eliminate. As we wrap up Gator Bites, it's brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialist. For the highest quality care, you can rely on Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for any orthopedic injury or concern. Log on to their website by going to se-ortho.com, and they have offices all over Northeast Florida, Riverside, Northside, Southside, the beaches, St. John's, you name it. And we always thank Southeast Orthopedic Specialist for their continued support of the Gator Bites podcast. Let's wrap up with this. Anthony Richardson, Todd McShay put a mock draft out, a very early 2023 mock draft out, had Anthony Richardson in the top 10. Mel Kuyper Jr., two weeks ago, put out his first big board of 2023, had Anthony Richardson number 13. A lot of praise, man. A lot of acclaim for a guy that threw 64 passes well, there's been last a, year. There's been a lot that's gone into that. What we see is we see the on-field thing. Um, what the information they're privy to is, you know, during the combine, they bring in underclassmen. Mm-hmm. Nobody sees it. He was there, right? He was one of the 30 or so that was there. And so there's testing, there's numbers, there's interviews. There's all of that that's that's going into this a little bit. And then there's the fact that he's almost 6'5", 230. <laughs> that helps. And he's going to run 4'4". Four, four. Yeah. Um, Anthony has spent the summer, we've had a whole different plan. Like we have spent the entire summer motion capture, everything you can think of trying to get his mechanics as close to flawless as we can. And the reason why is, is obviously it's going to benefit you, but why are we spending that time now is because what Anthony has to show for Florida to win and for him to realize his dream of being a top pick. He's got to show the ability to sit in the pocket and deal it, right? He's got to be able to throw every single route uh, on the tree. And so that's what he's, he's working on. And if he, if he continues the way he's continuing now, um, I mean, I, I think you could make an argument that he's got a chance to be the number one pick. But just because of what he has, yeah. right? I mean, you look at, you look at him and you look at Will Levis and you look at C.J. Stroud and you look at Bryce Young, you look at all those guys. Will Levis is an impressive guy. If you walk up to him, he's a big, big dude. But if Anthony walks in the room, you don't even notice those other three, right? So that's what he has that those guys don't have, and he's faster than all those guys. So if you, if you put all that together and he's a really smart guy, really heady guy, and now all of a sudden he's got you know an incredibly high spin rate and he's got a completion percentage of 70%, like you, you have a machine now. Let me ask you this as we wrap up. Both McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr., maybe it was a coincidence, had Anthony Richardson basically right next to Tyler Van Dyke mm-hmm. of Miami. Mm-hmm. They were 12 and 13 on one list. I think they were 8 and 9 on another list. Who's the better quarterback coming into 2022, Van Dyke or Richardson? I don't know. It's so funny you mentioned that because I was a little bit late here because I was on a phone call about Van Dyke. Um, just just talking in general about somebody asking me what I've seen, and I haven't seen him personally in like three years throw. I didn't watch a lot of Miami games. I've gone back and looked at some, and he's got a lot of arm talent, and he's fearless. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the kid will try to put a ball anywhere. I'm really, really interested to see what he looks like. Same with Anthony with this. Going into a season where they're the unquestionable number one, because that is a whole different mindset that you have to hold yourself in from spring practice all the way to the end of the season. You don't get an off day, right? You're, you, have to, you have to be part of the game plan. And so I think both of those guys, we're going to learn those first 
the first half of the season, what they really are made of, and both of them could could jump up even more, or somebody could fall back. I mean, I think that's the trick. So I don't really know where Van Dyke sits in all of this. I just know it's a great quarterback class next year. Both guys are third year sophomores. Both guys have first year head coaches, and both guys are projected to be first round picks in the 2023 draft, and they play in the same state. So there will be comparisons, certainly, between Tyler Van Dyke and Anthony Richardson. Next time we talk, it'll be the middle of June. We'll be that much closer to the start of fall camp. He is Denny Thompson. I'm the hacker, Ryan Green. Thank you for watching and listening to Gator Bites on 1010XL.com and on the Florida Gator 1010XL Facebook page.